0: Like I said, sometimes with the British film industry, it's hard to know if we're waving or drowning. Let's find out. Welcome to another Britflix.com podcast. My name's Stuart Wright, and welcome returning guest, Daniel Draper. Hello. Hi, Stuart. You know Bob? I'm very well, I'm very well. Good to hear your voice.
1: Yeah, you goes Stuart.
0: <laughs> and uh, we're here to talk about your new documentary, um after uh, your, your your debut um, and this one's called The Big Meeting do you want to give people um, a brief synopsis to what The Big Meeting's all about?
1: Yes, yeah, sure so um, in short The Big Meeting is a documentary about the Durham Miners Gala which uh, I suppose that's not really helpful unless you knew what the Durham Miners Gala was or is um, but it's an annual event that takes place in the city of Durham once a year uh the second Saturday in July And it's a gathering point for trade unionists, socialists, the general public, basically, to come together and celebrate, you know, all the great fights that are being had, the fights ahead. And it's just a really nice day there. It encapsulates everything to do with the Labour movement in that one day. So um, hence why we thought it'd be a good subject for the documentary.
0: And that's out now then, isn't it, for people to watch?
1: Yeah, yeah. It was released on DVD last week, so yeah, it's also, it's available on DVD now, and uh, yeah, there's upcoming screenings in January and beyond too.
0: And where can people get the DVD from? Uh,
1: the film's website, uh, www.galafilm.co.uk. and uh, the the list of uh, the upcoming screenings are, all, uh, are also on there too.
0: So brilliant. Well, we'll put a link in the show notes so people can click on that. Easy enough. Um, so then, uh, previously, you you uh, put put Dennis Skinner under the under the microscope. Um, yeah. And obviously he's a he's a he's a player in your new film. But um, mm-hmm. what what where did this where did the kernel of the idea start for you to do a documentary on the on this sort of important day for uh, the labour movement?
1: Uh, well, it's 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 it, it's linked to the Dennis Giller documentary, the 2016 Stewart. Um, okay. So in December 2017, uh, Nature of the Beast played at Red Hills in Durham, which is the uh, Miners Hall in Durham, which is this amazing building uh, paid for and built for by my, and, uh, by miners uh, and the film played there to a sold out audience, there was a couple of hundred people there, it went down really well, but it was my first time at Red Hills and there's just something really sort of quite special about the place, you, you can almost feel the history sort of seeping through the walls. I don't know. Is that, is, that, is that
0: that's the huge red building that you? Yeah, yeah, in that's the, the huge red building in the film. Yeah, it's it's <laughs>
1: uh, it's stunning and inside, yeah, obviously film can't really do justice to this, but you can. It's got an aura, um, and it just never left me. Uh, that combined with the first time I went to the uh, gala um, in 2016 to shoot for the Dennis Skinner film, hmm. uh, which was the first time i have been, I was just hit by sort of this colour, this noise, this atmosphere that I still can't really articulate into words. Those two things together, made me think this will be a sort of a perfect um, subject for a documentary. And it's something that I, 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 I tried to tell my mates back in Liverpool about the, the girl, and I, can't, I couldn't really articulate into words what it was about, it's something just felt. So mm. I thought that's really interesting itself as a sort of genesis for an idea. So so I just approached the Durham Man's Association but so, you know, and after doing research, it hasn't actually been an official documentary.
0: Which is amazing, really. It's, a, it's which a is amazing.
1: Like <laughs> I know, yeah, there's been, like, little pieces, like, you know, 25, 30 minute pieces um, on regional news and stuff like that, but there's never been a committed sort of documentary. Um, so, so, so all these factors added up. So it's like, you know, I think it's a perfect opportunity uh, to make something really interesting.
0: I'm so, agree. I was going to say so. So, with that with agreement, then, so what, you, you as the you as the director uh, and and the writer of this, you've obviously got yep. you've got the present, which is obviously the, the, the what, what, what we face today, but you've also got the huge rich past. So, yeah, when you were developing how to present it as a documentary, how did you balance that? The sort of the need to obviously contextualise it and yep. say why it's important, but also shine a light on why it's still important.
1: Well, yeah, that's it. Well, obviously, uh, as you just mentioned, we had that whole sort of week
0: of history,
2: mm. which
1: is always nice and makes making documentary a little bit easier, really, because you've got, you've got all that rich history and the benefit of hindsight. Uh, but the idea throughout uh, was to always have like these three sort of streams in the narrative of the past, the present, and the future, mm. which is what the gala represents, or, uh, yeah, the, one of the, the I think the main motto of the Donegal Man's Association is um, the past we inherit, the future we build, which greatly sums it up really. Mm. So there's always an idea that we can't just sort of go on about the past. So we need we need to reference it, but it's about the present day and also looking to the future kind of thing. So at one point we are actually going to call the film um, the land the land of three rivers because there's a great sort of um, there's a great folk song. And there's a book of poetry about sort of a uh, county Durham and it's surrounded by three rivers. So we're going to play an idea of these three rivers and the three narratives type things um, and three stories. But obviously as, as things developed, we ended up having four narrative stories on the day. But we still <laughs> obviously kept the past, present and future um, elements because yeah, that I think that's essential for the gala.
0: Yeah, well, what, because what, it's interesting you you, you say that because one of the things that struck me and it's it still stuck with me since you know I have only just recently watched it, but but one of the things that struck me was the way that you you open it. There's very little being said, and all it is is almost like you're showing us this this um, shot from above, gliding over yeah. you know I guess great England's green and pleasant land, and getting us to this place where suddenly there's lots of people gathered in a field, but you really take your time and the, and I, as i remember right it's like it's it, ri- a rivers become a lot of that journey that you show us as we're sort of flying in above into destination as to where we're going to be for the documentary yeah yeah um so
1: as, as i said the idea was always to have a river mm. we're gonna have the three rivers in the sort of as part of the narrative um and then we sort of developed it as we went out. and just by accident, really, one day we were shooting um, in the northeast, uh, just outside of Sunderland, on a beach called mm. Blast Beach, okay, um, which is where the National Coal Board used to dump all the waste years ago. Okay. So it was close. It was closed for years, and then they had to clean up. Um, but you, you go, and there's still these sort of like ghosts of the mining past there. So. You, um, and that kind of images you see at the at the beginning, there's um you know the sea cold, there's coldest
0: on this beach. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's almost like it's like, it's almost like it's, it's it looks like decay as much as anything. Else. Yeah, it,
1: it does, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. There's bits of wa- bits of wires, uh, old helmets, and these things are all all there. So the idea was to sort of open the film with a almost like the camera has just landed on a sort of a desolate dead planet, really. Mm. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Which is obviously to represent the death of the coal industry. Um, but then, you know, we realise after, you know, as the shots progress, we see water and where water is, there's life and then this river takes us to what I, you know, what I would say in the film is like, you know, the epitome of life on this one day is Durham, you know, it all leads to here. But that it was all sort of developed naturally after we shot on Blast Beach. It's, uh, David Vin- David Fincher shot um scenes for Alien Three, uh, on Blast Beach, those sort of
2: uh, Did I don't he know really? them.
1: Those yeah, those exteriors, those wides where it's like sort of really dystopian and windy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. That is Blast Beach.
0: Okay. Like,
1: okay. Yeah. So that, that, that you know that says it all, really, doesn't it? I
0: was going to say because the, cause the, the other the other the other film influence I was thinking when I was watching your 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 introduction once you get off Blast Beach is that um. Obviously, I mean, he's not the only person ever done it, but I guess it's one of the most iconic. Is the opening of the Shining when we kind of glide over you know, to get yeah. the journey up to the whole, up to the. Because um, I guess I guess Dur- Durham is a city and obviously a big university city, but in in terms of England, it is fairly remote, isn't it? In terms of its location to the rest of the country, I suppose, and I guess that's what you're showing with that yeah. journey to a to a place where lots of people are going to congregate. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's a. Uh...
1: I didn't really know much about County Durham until we went on to film, and yeah, it's, it's it is quite remote, but it's it's actually it's it's stunningly beautiful, which I don't know why I didn't think it would be, but it really is. Um, I suppose that probably informed those drone shots up the river as well. Uh,
0: just to so bit, I, I to guess the, the thing is perceptions, everything into. I guess it's people, you know, those conversations you have with people when they first visit Liverpool, and they go, "I can't believe how beautiful the city is, all the buildings," and you're like. <laughs> Because obviously you yeah. go there a lot, you just take it for granted, don't you? And and people have decided they they think Liverpool looks like something, and then when they yeah. go, they're like, wow.
1: I know, yeah, yeah. It is that, and I suppose that's one well, of the reasons for it. Is it almost addressing our own preconceptions of you know what the north, the northeast is really?
2: Because mm.
1: yeah, I suppose um, yeah, a, a job was probably done on them, probably thinking the East is probably sort of grim.
2: Yeah, if Grim and Dusty but,
1: but, and Yeah. Yeah, you know, without even knowing that a job had been done on me like that. Just but the same way it's like people think the same way about Liverpool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um but, you know, yeah, the sort of older you get, the wiser you get you realise, actually. Yeah.
0: Um Yeah. Experience both. experience tells you the truth, doesn't it? <laughs> exactly. Without a shadow, I doubt. yeah. <laughs> so in that sense then, um, as, as well as discovering this kind of area of sort of natural beauty that that exists in has always existed in in, in Britain, um, what 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 was some of the some of your sort of surprises in terms of what you what you uncovered in the story that you you maybe weren't anticipating when you began the journey to make this film? Um, in terms of
2: surprises, uh, I suppose.
1: Just how much it means to people, really. Some of the people we interviewed, you know, are brought to tears when we were interviewing them, just recalling things like a brass band walking down the street or um, a song being played in a cathedral. Mm. And when when you're interviewing people, um, just a small crew in an intimate sort of room, and you see them being moved to the point of tears, it sort of goes beyond sort of, you know, reading about... Because I've done a lot of reading and research and reading about the history and stuff. It becomes... I don't know. You feel the emotional side, Mm. and that almost goes beyond words and what it means to these people. Uh, So maybe that, um, yeah, maybe everyone was thinking about it from a sort of clinical way of how we're going to shoot this and narrative and all that. I I couldn't really, especially because it's a documentary, I couldn't comprehend just the level of feeling that people have. Towards the gala, really.
0: I was going to say because, cause stylistically, you 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 present us with a lot of information because a lot of the time mm-hmm. you're presenting us with two images, aren't you, at the mm-hmm. same time? So what was what was the what was the decision around doing that with you with with the film?
1: Um, so I, I suppose, yeah, basically um, that was inspired by uh, the 1970 documentary uh, Woodstock oh,
2: okay.
1: and the Michael Wadley documentary, yeah. Um, so I'd seen it before but the research I, I, I revisited it because they, it's a documentary about an event. Uh an event based around culture, um, protest and everything. That's basically the Durham managers every year. So the, you know, what a great piece to look at in terms of how we how, how we're gonna cover that event. That you know, would not happen over a few days, but this happened over the day. Hmm. Uh, and they use split screen brilliantly absolutely brilliant and the sound design is amazing in Woodstock so it's just like let's go for that because the gala itself it's it's not it's not in one place it's not one sound it's it's you know it's not static it's forever moving so the only way I feel like we could sort of capture a little bit of what that is is by a sort of the split screen um yeah um the sound design on the split screen.
0: Yeah, I was going to say because I liked I liked the way that you not only do you split the screen, but you even then add a third layer, which is a voice coming from nothing to do with what we're looking at on either screen as well. At sometimes, I mean, it's not yeah. always the case. Yeah,
1: because that's it. It's, you know, um, sound sounds fifty percent of the film, really, isn't it? Mm. Uh, and for something like the Romanas Gala, with you know, with the political speeches and the bands. It's sound is an amazing. it is vital to the gala as much as anything else. Mm. Um, so we it, we have to sort of pay respect to that and sort of. And that's the that's the really good thing about Woodstock and split screen. I think a lot of the time when you see split screen, when you you, you whatever uh, side your attention's drawn to, whether it's the right or the left, the other side that you're not supposed to be concentrating on often goes silent. So it's like it's split screen, but then the, say you're supposed to concentrate on the left one and the right. It's almost pointless because the sound's lowered and there's no point in having it if you're not if you're not gonna take notice of it. Mm. So and uh, uh, the Woodstock doesn't do that. This this uh, on the split screen on the side that you're not supposed to be watching, the sound is still alive. So it's still relevant and it's still happening because of that, you know, it's still there. So you can your attention can go between the two. And that's what we tried to do with this. Just be like, well there's no point doing split screen if we're going to ignore one side. Just to tell our narrative, both sides need to be sort of telling part of the story at the same time because otherwise it's 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 you know, it's
0: pointless. Yeah, because it allows it allows you that luxury, doesn't it, of, uh, of of flipping from a micro a micro view to a macro view and yeah. vice versa.
1: <laughs> yeah, and yet some people uh, some people may not like that hmm. really in terms of, as a device but it's the same with the Romana Gala event some people might not like uh, the the steps where people have a sing and a dance some people might prefer to go to the cathedral so they, they go to one or the other and therefore hopefully uh, using this, this scheme we sort of on you know, a very micro level represent what the Gala is for certain people some people like to go and have a drink some people like to go and listen but you know you can watch either side if you mm. want type thing so it's about sort of it's about covering those sorts of options, really, because yeah, it's it's only one day, <laughs> it's, um, and it's in so many different places and always moving. That
0: yeah. We... The, the 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 section of the film that, that sort of I guess I guess moved me the most in terms of isn't it isn't it wonderful what people do to preserve heritage and culture was the uh, the miners' art. Yeah,
2: yeah. yeah um...
0: Cataloguing of that and the book was it shaft of light. That's like yeah,
1: by uh, Bob Machamanos. Yeah, Uh,
0: I thought that was just. It's sort of like there's, there's. You know, he even says it himself. There's no, because there's no monetary value attached to this work. Its importance wasn't viewed as important. You just didn't have any importance attached to it. Whereas, obviously, as a, as evidence of how people that lived and worked in mining communities, this was their. This is what they were communicating. How they saw the world and. That's valuable beyond what money can buy.
1: Exactly, and uh, it, uh, if anything, that sort of section of the film five minutes sums up the whole sort of Durham miners' Garden, really for me because it, it. I think a lot of people just think it's about political speeches on the field, but it's a, it's a hell of a lot more than that. It's about history. It's about the protest, and it's a, it's about art and culture. You, the banners. The banners are absolutely amazing. Mm. You know, um, in terms of what they're made of and the messages and the endure and the art that um, Bob Mathman talks about is, you know, epitomises that. Really, it's it's that sort of which you can't value. It's that sort of human need, isn't it? To sort of you know describe how you feel. Well, yeah, no, I mean
0: and, art, art as a compul. If, if art's made through compulsion, as opposed yeah. to just I want to do something. Then usually exactly. it says something much more interesting than anything else.
1: Well, uh, yeah, as, as Bob says in the film, you know, of, often the working man feels like his voice is not heard. Yeah. So then you know it's channeled into other sort of um, avenues. But that book is amazing. Mm.
2: There's
1: a there's a few um, there's there's obviously a lot more artists in that book than in the film. Mm. But there's, there's some some of the works very really sort of dark. Uh, there's one artist in particular I can't recall his name. It's something Zed, but. He had an accident in the pits. He was an artist before. He had an accident in the pits, and then everything he'd done afterwards was sort of like in this, like in these deep, deep reds. Like, and you want you want to see them? They're, like, they're, no, they're hellish, really, but there's, there's, there, there's so much turmoil. Look at them, um, and it all happened after this accident. The, 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 yeah, they're harrowing, really, but they're really powerful at the same time. You know.
0: Um, but like you say, if nobody else is is making that that point of view heard then in the end yep. it, it came down to those artists didn't it and and it's great that 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 it's been fully archived because I, I loved the bit when he said he said we well the, i can't remember the, the names of the he mentions like two that were considered to be the kind of leading lights in in oh, yeah, were, uh,
1: Norman cornish and tom yeah. McGuinness.
0: and then he said and then we started seeing that there was lots of minor artists and you're kind of going okay well let's uh, let's let's let this is this is something that needs to be you know um sort of collected together so we don't lose sight of it and i think that's uh but the other thing that struck the other thing that struck me is is that obviously mining is 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 what brought everyone together which is what makes all this exist and through mining you know the union the, the the union movements that were born that, you, that your film tells the story of but um nobody it's kind of like a vicious irony isn't it nobody really wanted to be down the mine as Paul <laughs> Mason describes you know it's like yeah. all everybody all everybody wanted was to be up in, the, up in the sunshine looking at a bit of green grass with a pint with a warm pint of beer in their hand um and that that's kind of a really beautiful image and it, it kind of it reminds me of um I don't know if you've ever read Dave Aslam's book about Manchester the history of Manchester um, no no because he talks about like 16th, 17th century Manchester and how basically hedonism, like having a couple of drinks and stuff, was basically the only escape you had from the shit you yeah. got, you had to put yourself through. And he's kind of drawing a line going, and from here, that's where you get to 20th century Manchester culture, which is about, you know, no matter what's happening, no matter how rainy the city is, we're going to have a ball. And yeah. in a sense, even though these people in the mining communities, and I might be being a bit romantic, and I'm sure if a mining. <laughs> a guy who spent years down the pits would tell me uh, I'm being a bit too romantic about it, but I imagine that it probably did feel like that 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 Friday night, that Saturday, that Saturday afternoon. If you weren't doing six days a week as well, um, where it was an escape, you were just free to breathe normal air. <laughs> yeah, exactly,
1: and that's what the goal is in, in sort of in a major on a major sort of. Um, Level is that one day of the year when it all comes out and then all the villages come together. But I'm glad you brought that up because that's something we really conscious to put in about the idea of like, you know, it was, it was a terrible, terrible job and they were all exploited mm. and stuff. And it, it probably, we probably, I put that in after uh, probably we shot about 80% of the documentary, but uh, we, had a, we had a screening of the nature of the beast in Liverpool. Dennis Skinner was here for a QA. and we went out for dinner beforehand, and uh, one of the things he said about the documentary about him is uh, he thought, a romanticised miner. And I think he's right, because as you were saying, I, saw, I, I do, it's a and it's the communities that created. I weren't sort of separating them, if that makes sense. Mm. I was sort of seeing mining as, you know, this community that is wonderful at its best, you know. Um, and I went separating the work from you know what they done outside the work, if that makes sense. Mm. And so after speaking, I was like, yeah, I think he's right. So that's that uh, that that piece in the film where it's just like, well, we need to show that this was this was horrible, this was hellish. It ruined it ruined men's lives, it ruined families, you know, because of accidents. Um, but what they created was absolutely wonderful and. The perfect example of what he created is the Gold Miners Gala.
0: Well, but not just that, but also that sense of—I um, think one of the one of the women that you'd speak to, or it might have even been a, an archive voice—is—is um, is the idea that they were fueling the country. So there was, while while it was yeah. hard, there was a sense of pride that you were an integral part to how the world around you functioned.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's Heather Woods. Yeah, she, no, she's a, she's a, in the film. She's one of the women from the Women's Group. She's the Ken Loach film hope okay. well. Second film she's been in this year, yeah.
0: <laughs> you <laughs> caught her on the rise, then.
1: <laughs> she's in our film first, actually. Yeah, i yeah, will take credit for that. <laughs> yeah.
0: um, I suppose. I suppose. Um, I mean, in a sense, I, 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 I think. I mean, this is. This is I think about like, my dad as a as a, as a builder, and one of the things as as we were growing up is like he 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 was he he valued education, and it was like he wanted me. To not have to get you know for a better expression get me hands dirty to earn some money, Um, and that's clearly another part of it. Like it's not explicit in the film, but I think I think it's implicit with with the uh, the young woman that works in the bookshop, and obviously she's studying at Oxford, and so there's that link between that you can be you can be and and I always struggle with this, and I think we had this almost had similar conversation we first when we talked about Dennis Skinner one is that the idea of being educated and working class isn't doesn't always walk hand-in-hand hand when, whereas it should do, and it should be something that we feel quite proud of.
1: Oh, yeah, without a shadow of that. And that's why we put Charlotte in the film. And for me, her, sort of, her narrative is my favourite one uh, because she represents... Talking about the future before, she represents the future of the struggle of the labour movement, of the gala, um, for many reasons, but, as you say... She's incredibly aware of the past. Um, she's educated, um and she knows, you know, the battles that lie ahead. Um and she's also a woman. Um, three of our four narratives in the film, uh um women based. Mm. And that's one of the reasons there was a um the reason behind doing that was we wanted to show that, you know, the my, that I think it was twenty five years ago that the last mine closed in County Durham. So, but the gala, you know, the gala still thrives, but because, because there are no and you know, mining, as we've talked before, it's, it's a really masculine sort of profession. Mm. But what's 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 good now is it's taken 25 years, but like other narratives can come to the fore, so it's not just about men and mining, it's about women and women's issues, and Charlotte sort of represents that perfectly. And that's what the gala really now, I find it exciting that there's no mines anymore, because it, it can also just, it can be used as a template. There's always I've been used as a template for sort of national and international struggles, but it can be more and more, you know, it's, a, it's. I I've, I keep saying this thing, it's like, I don't, I don't, it's like, you know, it's to the working class, what? Glastonbury is the musical, there's people need to be going there, you know, It's, it, it, and so it's women, women's stories come to the forefront now, but, you know, hopefully in 25 years, there's more sorts of struggles, you know, it's, because of the demographic of the area, it's it's actually quite white, mm. even though it's a working class sort of ceremony. So hopefully, you know, more sort of um, cultures and people of colour use do the Dora Minus Gala as a platform for sort of issues and fights. The way the, the way women are now, 25 years on, that's what that's what excites me about it. The future part of it, um, and yeah, I think Charlotte epitomises that more than anyone else in the film.
0: Now this is this is maybe not not so serious as, as what you've just been saying there, but. Come on now, Daniel. How did you manage to get all them sunny days in the northeast of England?
1: Oh goodness, and I was we so lucky. <laughs> it's, we, I nearly had yeah. I nearly had a sort of uh, nervous breakdown on the day because it was so so hot. Uh, so, but all that was shot on one day. All the stuff at the gala, right? Um, so I, I, suppose, I suppose that probably makes up about seventy five. of the film. Mm. Uh, It was just, it was just good. Uh, The times when we, when we shot in 2016 for the Skinner film, it rained. I went back last year, it rained. Um, So, literally, yeah, things just fell in place. They had that, that stage, they never had that stage before. At the gala, as you'll see on the archive, footage, you literally just had a raised platform.
2: That's
1: right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they had that up until 2017. Yeah, so when we were filming, they had this like stage, hence why they could have scenes like Billy Bragg and stuff. Uh, so everything just sort of fell into place with the film and really yeah, we just got so so lucky. <laughs> no, <laughs> it, it is because because it, it, obviously
0: it, you know sunlight <laughs> and green and smiling fa smiling rosy faces, and it it, it 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 it's a picture, it's a picture postcard of of England, isn't it? In a sense, um, yeah, yeah, in that way, and also the. the, the if you put it in the context of your narrative of, of um, camaraderie and the labour movement, it's sort of like it's a real positive. It's a real positive image.
1: It is, isn't it? Like uh, we were, we were going to have to film on that day, regardless of the weather, really. But
2: mm.
0: yeah,
1: it's just uh, everything aligned on that day. Uh, I suppose we did. Well, we didn't plan the weather, but everything else was planned. Of course, yeah. Uh, yeah. Within military
0: precision. <laughs> I'm, jo- <laughs> yeah. I'm, josh- I'm joshing with you, but it is. It's kind of like it, it, it's. It's, a, it's one of those happy accidents that means that what you've captured is... is Obviously, all film captures a moment, and it's that idea that you were look, You know, on the time you chose, and like you said, if you'd have chose to shoot the documentary 12 months earlier or 12 months later,
2: yeah,
0: you'd have been rained off, and you'd have done this, yeah. you'd have had another story to tell, but you probably would have shot a lot more indoors, and so on and yeah. so forth. I do wonder,
1: yeah, an alternative sort of film, like what it would have been like. Um, yeah, the get-off, yeah can't be blessing
0: for that one indeed indeed well look let's remind people then how can they see the film
1: Uh, so right now they can see the film on the good old fashioned DVD If anyone's still got a DVD player Mm -hmm. Uh, and yet there's a um, community screenings um, which we really push and there's a few other cinema screens coming up in in the new year but all that information DVD and screen on the film's website.
0: Are you going to be, is it going to be available on demand as well at any point, or is that still? Yeah, be? yeah, we'll,
1: put, we'll yeah, we will put online. We've already had quite a few sort of inquiries about that. Uh, yeah, we'll probably do that. uh in January, late really? January. And February we'll get it online. Cool. Uh, yeah.
0: Well, look, just gives me to say thank you very much for giving us your time on Britflix podcast.
1: Oh, no, pleasure. Thanks so much. Phil.
0: Parker said, sometimes with the British film industry it's hard to know if we're waving or drowning.